8: is Tuesday, October 5th, 2021. Roland Martin Unfiltered, live on the Black Star Network, coming to you from Los Angeles. On today's show, Black Voters Matter. They take the voting rights protests to the home of President Joe Biden. We'll show you the video and where they are arrested. Some are still in jail, waiting to get processed. Also, uh, on today's show, uh, we'll be dealing with uh, Sage Steele. She makes some um, uh, quite interesting comments about President Barack Obama not knowing his black daddy but also identifying as black. Also, what the hell is she saying about women who wear certain clothes? Guess what? She's apologized. ESPN has suspended her for a week. We will unpack that uh, on today's show. Also, uh, they raised millions to buy Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Plaza only to lose the bid to a lower offer. We'll talk with the executive director of the downtown Crenshaw Rising to explain why well, they think they were rejected in favor of a non-black and non-local developer. Also, the family of Henrietta Lacks, they have filed a lawsuit against a biotech company for using her sales for research without her permission. And one of the defendants, accused of killing a black man while jogging, does not want the judge to allow any evidence to show that he may be a racist. of course, story out of Georgia. Plus, a father's fear led him to create something that could bring peace to all parents. The Angel Tech app can track and record your child when they are in trouble. We'll talk with the founder of that app in our Tech Talk segment. Folks, it is time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network from L.A. Let's go. He's got it.
9: Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact the fine. News to politics.
8: Over the weekend, President Joe Biden went to Capitol Hill to fight for his infrastructure bill, his Build America Better plan. But he has not gone to Capitol Hill to press Democrats to do the exact same thing for voting. Well, Black Voters Matter and other protesters took, the te- took it to him by showing up today in front of the White House protesting, demanding change. Demanding change. Uh Folks, we have, yeah, go ahead and roll the video, please, uh, saying that he needs to be doing more when it comes to voting. They have been demanding the For the People Act as well as the John Lewis Voting Act. Of course, uh, Democrats have not uh, moved on that. You have uh, Arizona Senator Christian Cinema, as well as uh, Senator Joe Manchin. Uh, of course, um, they are uh, standing in the way of that. We've not seen, again, any action uh, taking uh, so far on these voter bills. What we are seeing, we're seeing the protests continue, come back, making it plain that they actually want to see more things done to get uh, voting rights in this country. And so uh, that's one of the things that you're seeing. They were here in D.C., as I said, uh, fighting to get uh, those voting rights. And so they want uh, something to be done about this very issue. Uh, this is critically important when we look at, of course, uh, the voter suppression efforts being put in place by Republicans uh, all over the state. Now, what are we dealing with now? Uh, voter ID laws, uh, of course, as many of these Republican-led states are pushing more of these voter ID laws uh, all across the country. And so uh, this is going to impact the 2020 midterm elections, and that's why people want to see things change. Thirty-three uh, laws have been passed that will negatively impact black voters and other voters as well. Some of these laws are in areas, including dealing with election officials, voter ID, mail-in voting, and early voting. We've seen bills passed in Texas uh, in Georgia as well. Uh, Here's an example, folks. Uh, Elmira Hicks, 82 years old, does not have a birth certificate, uh, which makes it impossible for her to renew her driver's license. Well, without her license, she can't register to vote. Hicks, like many African Americans born in the early 20th century, was born with the assistance of a midwife, and records were not kept. She has been denied a birth certificate due to some technicality. Without a birth certificate, again, she can't get a license and will not be able to vote. These are the type of instances that are being brought up uh, all across uh, the country. Now, remember, the House of Representatives uh, they passed the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act in August. The Senate has not taken up action on on this particular uh, bill. And so what we are seeing uh, is the continuing efforts to force the Senate to move on these various uh, bills. My panel, Teresa Lundy, principal founder of TML Communications, Dr. Mustafa Santiago Ali, environmental justice EPA, Michael Imhotep, host of the African History Network uh, show. Glad to have all three of you here. Uh, What we are seeing here, uh, Mustafa, what we're seeing is... The continuing focus, putting pressure, this is where President Joe Biden has got to step up. Like I said, he went to Capitol Hill when it came to his $3.5 trillion economic plan. He has not done that when it comes to voting legislation.
4: It's all about priorities. You know, um, the president, like you said, he cares about what's happening in relationship to the infrastructure bill, so he's leaning in. He has to lean in on this as well. It all begins and ends with the vote. I- I'm-, I- I'm never sure why these folks are not as active um, on ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to fully participate in the civic process. On the Republican side of the leisure, they are very focused. They understand that by actually getting small percentages of folks not being able to vote, that it will tip it into their favor. They understand how to utilize power. They understand how to get engaged and actually win on the issues that they care about. President Biden and the Democrats have got to get serious in the Senate and make sure that they are passing these critical pieces of legislation they give everyday folks the opportunity to actually be a part of this democracy and if they're not willing to do it then how can you continue to ask black and brown folks to show up to stand you know in extreme heat or extreme cold to stand in these situations where they have individuals who you know want to do them harm to stand when you're in dealing with the covid-19 pandemic we've done our work we've shown up so they have the responsibility now to make sure they're pushing the senate whether it is mansion or cinema to do the right thing.
8: You know, Teresa, um, again, it's about it's about pressure. It's about President Joe Biden using his power, leaning on these senators. And well, black voters they want to see a Biden that's engaged on this. Look, he said a variety of things when he was running for president, what he was going to make happen. Black folks are saying, Fine, make it happen. We can't hear you, Teresa. Teresa, we can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Now we can hear you.
7: Perfect, sorry about that. Anytime you have 19 states that pass um, 33 um, news laws that make it harder to vote, it always is a very interesting process when it comes to the African-American voice and what it actually means in the voting process. So states, um, you know, have been putting up stricter uh, laws but I also think this is also an attention to our the Commonwealth. So when we look at Republican-led Senates and Republican-led Houses and and some of the 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 votes that are happening, it's happening because again they are trying to ensure that people and Black and Brown communities are not really receiving the the funds that are necessary, some of the social services that are needed. They're a lot making sure that their voices are being heard, and that's where we have these issues. That's why we always see Black and Brown communities always taking um, the fight right straight to the ones who are making the decisions. So that's either in the Senate or um, Senate or in Congress or at President Biden's feet. But again, what Mustafa said, it's about priorities. And I think the Biden administration really needs to really maintain the, the, the promises that were made in the beginning that really secured his vote.
8: Look, it's real simple here, Michael. Um, you hear the activists saying this. Latasha Brown has said it. Cliff Albright has said it, and that is, these fo- you cannot outorganize voter suppression. And so, it's like Democrats: what the hell do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen?
6: Right. You know, um, this is all about self-preservation. It's about self-preservation for African Americans. It's about self preservation for Democrats in the House of Representatives in the 2022 midterm election. It's about self preservation also for uh, Democrats in the Senate that are up for re election as well. Uh, You have 19 states that have passed uh, 33 new voter restriction bills, states that have been, states where it's already harder, states where it's already hard to vote. Are passing more voter restriction bills, and then you also had 25 states that passed 20 that passed 62 uh, bills to make it easier to vote. So states where it's easy to vote are making it easier to vote. Um, Biden should uh, do. Biden was here in Michigan today. He was in Howell, Michigan today, pushing his infrastructure bill, which is needed. But you also need to go on a tour. You also need to go to certain states. He should. I, I think he should go to Arizona, and I think he, he should go to West Virginia. And do a speech there about voting rights, but we have to—I I, I can't stress this enough—if this just remains, if voting rights just remains a black issue, I we don't don't live in the Senate. Okay, it, it has to be expanded because this impacts more than just black people. When you have these voter restriction bills, this—you—you you have 38 million disabled Americans who are registered to vote. Okay, when you talk about restricting mail-in ballots. You're talking about hurting them. We just saw the women's reproductive activists, about 200,000 of them, uh, 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 assembling this this past weekend. When you talk about restricting voting rights, okay, you're talking about hurting white women. You're talking about hurting college students, okay? So this, you know, I love John Lewis. I understand 65. I understand the voting rights act. But this is bigger than just a, a black issue. And lastly, Roland, notice how silent corporations have gone. Because see, corporations were putting out memos and things like this just a few months ago on voting rights. You, they—they've gone completely silent. Okay, so also pressure has to be put back on on corporations, as well, to uh, speak up and put pressure on on politicians, also like mansion and cinema, who who they help finance.
8: Well, again, I mean that that absolutely has to happen. That's why black voters matter. Uh, They're doing what they're doing, and so we certainly support what they're doing. Uh, And, again, pressure is being brought to bear, and so more folks need to do so. Other organizations, uh, but we also, like I keep saying, we need many of these uh, white activists, these white progressives, uh, stepping out here as well, saying that this is a particular priority. Folks got to go to break. We come back. We'll talk about the drama unfolding at ESPN where uh, Anchor Sage Steele, very used to making comments, uh, about, uh, uh, black folks. Well, guess what? She's in more hot water. She's now suspended for a week. We'll explain next on Roller Martin unfiltered broadcasting live on the black star network from Los Angeles. Back in a moment.
0: saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now, she's free to become Bear Hug Betty.
5: Settle in, kids. You'll be there a while. Ooh, where you going? It's time to be smart.
7: Roland Martin's doing this every day. Oh, no punches! Thank you, Roland Martin,
5: for always giving voice to the issues. Look for Roland Martin in the whirlwind, to quote Marcus Garvey again. The
7: video looks phenomenal, so I'm really excited to see it on my big screen. Support
3: this man, Black media.
7: He makes sure that our stories are
3: told.
5: See, this the difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. I got to defer to the brilliance of Dr. Carr and to the brilliance of the Black Star Network.
8: I am rolling with Roland all the way. Honored to be on a show that you own, a Black man. <laughs> on the show. Folks, Blackstar Network is here. I'm real uh, revolutionary right now. Roland was amazing on there. Hey,
5: Blake, I love y'all. I can't commend you enough about this platform that you've created for us to be able to share who we are, what we're doing in the world, and the impact that we're having. Let's be smart.
8: Bring your eyeballs home. You can't be black on media and be scared. You dig?
9: I'm Chrisette Michelle. Hi, I'm Chaley Rose, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
8: All right, folks, uh, welcome back to Roland Martin Unfiltered. We are broadcasting live from Los Angeles here on the Black Star Network. All right, save steel anchor at ESPN. Uh, She is uh, quite known for making other controversial comments that have ticked a whole bunch of black people off. Well, say step in it again when she did the podcast of former uh, NFL quarterback Jay Cutler and some comments that she made about a variety of topics, including this about President Barack Obama.
10: Uh, when you fill out your census, I'm like, well, I don't know when the last time I filled out my census was, but yeah. if they make you choose a race,
3: yeah.
10: she's like, what are you going to put? I go, well, both. She's like, well, you can't. She goes, well, what if Barack Obama chose black and he's biracial? I'm like, well, congratulations to the president. That's his thing. I go, I think that's fascinating considering, considering his black dad was nowhere to be found, but his white mom and grandma raised him. But hey, mm-hmm. you do you. I'm going to do me.
8: Okay, that caused lots of problems there. Then, the one that really ticked off a lot of people was this comment about women in media and what they wear.
10: But it, here's the thing: there is a fine line, and I handled it like I yeah. didn't get anybody's... because that's not my person, wasn't my personality then. I might now a little more, mm-hmm. um, but. I do think as women, we need to be responsible as well. It isn't just on players and athletes Mm -hmm. and coaches to act a certain way. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had talks with young women who like would come in and they'd intern um, with, with me, with our channel or just other women who reach out to me now. And I've said to a couple of them, they're like, well, would you look at my tape? Would you do this? And I, and I've said, listen, I would love to, but the way that you present yourself, is not something I want to be associated with. Yeah. So when yeah. you dress like that, yeah. I'm not saying you deserve the gross comments, but you know what you're doing when you're putting that outfit on, too. Yeah. Like, women are smart, so don't play coy and put it all on the guys when we... And again, I'm not saying anybody deserves anything. Yes. But we need to be responsible as women, too, because we know what we're doing when we put certain things on and, and then mm-hmm. return a certain text. Are You expect somebody's not going to see you if you go to dinner with this guy? Like, that's on us.
3: hmm Mm -hmm. Um, That's so true. All
8: right, so a lot of this started uh, because uh, Sage Steele was not happy that she was forced to take the COVID vaccine if she wanted to keep her job at ESPN. Disney, like many companies, are requiring their employees to be vaccinated. This is what she had to say about vaccines.
10: I I think to mandate, I respect everyone's decision. I really do. But to mandate it is... Um sick mm-hmm. and it's scary yeah. to me in many ways um, but I have a job yeah. a job that I love and frankly a job that I, that I need, but again, I love it. Yeah. I just um I'm not surprised it got to this point, especially mm-hmm. with Disney I mean a, a global company like this yes.
8: Well, so what are we now dealing with? Sage is apologized because this thing really blew up. Uh, This is her apology. Please pull it up. All right. She says, I know my recent comments created controversy for the company and I apologize. We're in the midst of an extremely challenging time that impacts all of us and it's more critical than ever that we communicate constructively and thoughtfully. Here's ESPN's statement. Please pull it up. All right, then, At ASPN, we embrace different points of view. Dialogue and discussion makes this place great. That said, we expect that those points of view be expressed respectfully in a manner consistent with our values and in line with our internal policies. We're having direct conversations with Sage, and those conversations will remain private. Now, this was very interesting when you uh, analyze uh, those particular uh, statements. And it was a uh, uh, journalist, uh, Karan Phillips, he actually uh, uh, tweeted this out. Uh, And he said, uh, wow, quite the different statements from ESPN regarding, say, Steele compared uh, to when ESPN issued uh, their uh, statements when Jamel Hill uh, called uh, Donald Trump a white supremacist. And I'm going to show you these two. And I found I found it to be, again, real interesting. So this was the ESPN statement that they sent out with Jamel Hill. The comments on Twitter from Jamel Hill regarding the president do not represent the position of ESPN. We've addressed this with Jamel and she recognizes her actions were inappropriate. Now, that's totally separate than what they had to say about Sage Steele. Now, also in her particular uh, comments, uh, Sage, uh, she uh, had some uh, positive things to say. Uh, about, come back to me, please, about Candace Owens, which uh, was quite interesting. Uh, And so, look, uh, Sage Steele has a history. uh, She was uh, making some comments that she was uh, quite, uh, you know, critical of Colin Kaepernick. Uh, There was a point um, when she um, was uh, on a flight from Los Angeles and was upset about immigration protests that were going on. You might remember she accused... Uh, A couple of black colleagues uh, at uh, a couple of black colleagues at ESPN uh, from uh, accused them of actually uh, keeping her out of a conversation dealing uh, with race. And again, she in her comment she complimented uh, that that clueless fool uh, Candace Owens. We know how idiot she is. Um, The thing that also uh, is so check so check this out. Let me just go ahead and do this. I'm going to play for you. Uh, what she had to say about uh, Candace Owens. Here we go.
3: It's what.
10: <laughs> Wait, what? Where, where did you read that?
3: I forget. I mean, I forget where I read it, but I, it made me
10: laugh. <laughs> uh, wow. I I respect the hell out of Candace Owens. So do I. And, and, and yeah. And I'm like.
8: First of all, guys, the audio wasn't right, so listen, I'm going to play that comment again. So I want to so want you to hear it uh, in full. Okay, so uh, here we go.
10: I'm, and I'm like, I get it. Like, yeah, we all the, have. A you're
3: the you're the Candace thing. Owens of ESPN. It's what.
10: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? what? I, where, where did you read that?
3: I forget. I mean, I forget where I read it, but I, I it made me
10: laugh. <laughs> uh, wow. I I respect the hell out of Candace Owens. So do I. And, and, and yeah, and I'm um, and I'm like, I get it. Like yeah, we all saying, have to. Um, you're the Candace Owens. Uh, uh, of the allow
8: me. Allow me to. Allow me to unpack this, okay? Uh, f- first and foremost, um, you know, Sage Steele has made comments in the past because she's biracial. Um, and what she's done is, um, you know, her deal is, you know, uh, why do you have to, you know, leave out one parent and identify, uh, with, um, another. Okay. I get it. Uh, and, but here's the thing that trips me off. Um, um, the thing that she is, that's crazy here is that how dare you question How dare you question how President Obama chooses to identify himself, okay? How? Um, What I don't understand is if that man chooses to self-identify, that's his business. Now, what's so idiotic about Sage's comments is that she was upset about having to choose a race. Well if you go back to the first US census, you've had to identify a race since 1790. Since seventeen ninety. Okay? That to me is crazy. It's crazy. Okay. Seventeen ninety. Seventeen ninety did identify with race. But see what's the problem here? for her to assert that, well, he grew up with a white mother and he didn't know his black dad, but he's identifying as black. Sage, your daddy's white. Your mama's black. Sage, let's be real clear. You are not walking out on the street anywhere and somebody goes, hey, there goes a white woman. You know it and I know it. Sage, here's the deal, and this is why I know your comment here is idiotic and makes no sense. When they were having the issue on race, the special on race, and Michael Eaves and L. Duncan were involved, you... Got upset because you were not included. Well, Sage, if you consider yourself a white woman, why would you be included? Okay, you're biracial, got it. But well, that's just stupid. And she go, oh, I think it's fascinating. Halle Berry.
5: Halle, is biracial just like you.
8: Halle Berry. Calls herself a black woman. There are other biracial people who call themselves the exact same thing. So for you to sit here and make this comment makes no sense whatsoever. And it's idiotic. And then when you're talking about how women are dressing, well, no, no, I'm not saying that these things should happen, but you got, what the hell? ESPN has removed her from a women's summit that they're doing as well. That's supposed to be happening in a couple of weeks, but it's very telling who you are as an individual. And here's the whole deal. I don't care if you are a black, I'm sorry, Sage, a biracial conservative, but if I respect the hell out of Candace Owens, you're admitting you're an idiot because anybody who respects Candace Owens who is absolutely stuck on stupid, who knows what the hell she's talking about, who knows what the hell she's saying, you actually respect that and call yourself a journalist? That's why you're getting questioned. That's why you're getting dragged and you've earned every single bit of it, period. And so Sage, how about actually using some damn common sense? With these nutcase takes that you have. An ESPN should have suspended you for a week. Should have. And maybe you're now going to learn. And here's the whole deal, Sage. Go to Fox Sports. Go to Fox, go to Fox News and join your former ESPN colleague Will Kane. If that's the point of view that you want to offer, go right ahead. But really. Stop with the gaslighting of black people, because you're uncomfortable that an Obama would call himself black. And also, what the hell's his dad not being there have to do with it? In fact, Kerry Champion, let me pull this tweet up. Uh, former ESPN anchor, uh, Kerry Champion, weighed in uh, on this, and I'm gonna pull. I'm gonna pull it up uh, uh, to show you. Um, and so because I, I just thought that this tweet w- was really uh, important. So let me see here. Um, uh, let me see if I can find it here. I just thought it was really, really interesting, um, you know, w- w- what she tweeted because I mean, it's, it's just dumb. It's just really dumb when, when, when you see these comments uh, coming from a black woman. Oh, sorry, a biracial woman uh, in, in the case of Sage Steele. You know, and and this whole, you know, you know, woe is me, and all this. I, I just, uh, I'm 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 tired of it. And this thing that, you know, you know, you are like you like like somehow oh because you are um, you are so conservative or whatever you want to call yourself. That's fine, but it's just it's just ridiculous. It's just utterly ridiculous. This is the tweet from Carrie Champion. Sigh, my dad wasn't around when I was younger. I'm still black. That's what Carrie Champion tweeted. And she's right. So this notion that, oh, if your dad wasn't around, that's about dictates what you, we should call yourself on the census. Yeah, that's weak. And, and you know what, I'm bringing the panel here, Teresa. I'm, I'm just, it's, 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 it's really utterly ridiculous. That Sage still continues to embarrass herself. I met Sage. I know Sage. Um, I'm, we're not friends. Uh, I know if you know seeing her at National Association of Black Journalists convention and things along those lines. But I, I, I just don't for the life of me. This the comment that she made about Obama, and I just find it fascinating. He identifies as black, and his dad wasn't even around. What the hell?
7: Yeah, that's the right question to ask but especially for somebody who's in the journalism industry um, i've watched sage myself and i've read her tweets i've i've listened to her um her commentary i've seen her at black conventions and i've seen her in at those black conventions identify as black and not biracial so um i feel like she is personally suffering something that i think every and i have a lot of friends who are biracial Biracial person goes through, but I think she's just channeling it in a different way. Um, There's certain individuals who I guess, you know, who may be of the right persp- persuasion who it accepts her a little bit more. Now it's okay to be Republican and conservative, but when it comes to when it, I think probably what took me back was how she embraced new individuals that come to her on the way that they dress. And again, as a black woman myself, 100% if I didn't have a suit on if, or if I didn't have the right dress on it was at the right length and I was bringing all this talent or maybe I, my suitcase was locked in a storage room and I didn't have the key and I had to get to that meeting, is she saying that she will not even take uh, the, the time to even talk to me? And again, that could be a missed opportunity. So, I, you know, as I, I, I listen to her, I almost feel um, just saddened. Um, because again, this is another you know black-white woman that is suffering something so deep that I feel like there there has to be more to it. I mean, you know, I'm I've been one to say I'm not a fan of Candace Owens, um, but I also understand why people um, take to her, and 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 part of that is she's spewing off the some nonsense, and she's getting paid handsomely. And so those who are willing to sell their soul for uh, for two minutes of spotlight um, and they give you a show and they give you branding. Those are the people that, you know, unfortunately, we have those who want to be in the mix and just don't know how to get in. so they model it and and they feel like this is where they need to go. So fortunately, we just just could pray for our sister.
8: Uh, and look, apparently her dad is black, mom white. Okay, fine. Uh, either way, it doesn't matter. But it's, it's still nonsensical. And again, if you uh, want, if you're biracial, Mustafa, that's fine. If you want to identify as white and black, I got no problem with that. I'm perfectly fine with that. Uh, but what's stupid to me, what's absolutely idiotic to me, uh, is this somehow notion uh, that a person doesn't get to the side that they do. And his dad not being anywhere there has nothing to do with any of this.
4: Well, you know, when you have folks like Sage saying the stuff that she does, you know, it's almost like a a headline in the National Enquirer. People say these types of things because they want attention. And not only do they want attention, but they also, you know, as Teresa said, are trying to set themselves up for their next gig. My problem is more on the substance of the things that she's talking about. So, when you say that you never filled out the census, then that tells me that you're not also concerned about, you know, the resources that are tied to that, that can help our communities to be able to move forward. So, that's about substance. When you say that, you know, you're against mandates for vaccines, then you don't unpack that, because we understand that our communities disproportionately are dying from that. So, if you don't see yourself connected to the African-American community, it plays out in the decisions that you are making in your personal life. And then, of course, also, when she made that comment about the young sister coming to her that Teresa just talked about, that also says something. When you're not willing to invest the time with a younger person to help them to get together the things that may be necessary for them to navigate, you know, the corporate world or the sports world, then that also says something about you and your commitment to those individuals or to folks who come from a similar set of backgrounds that you may be um, that you came from. So you gotta you gotta look at the substance of what the sister is saying and then begin to unpack whatever trauma or hurt that she might be dealing with based upon you know how she came up um, and the decisions that she's currently made. You know, I'm concerned with the message that she's sending about the substance of things that actually impact our communities. You know, she want to be on Fox News. That's all good. But don't put our people continually in the crosshairs by the decisions that you're making when you know what the facts are. She's a bright—you know, she's a bright young lady. So she knows all these things that are happening inside of our communities, and she should be much more careful with the things that, that, you know, that she's spouting.
8: Michael, look. I don't care what her personal issues are. I don't care what drama she's going through. Bottom line is this: here, uh, when you make these type of comments where you're questioning uh, someone else, uh, hey, it's foul, it's wrong. And when you're in a, in a responsible position, you need to do better.
6: Yeah, Ronald. Yeah, that's true. They need to do better. But you know, uh, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> I pay very little attention to Sage Steele. Um, I, I read the article that DeGrio has about these comments and the, the blow up, but you know, to, to quote a uh, great South African freedom fighter Bantu, Stephen Biko, the most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. The most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. And she's a perfect example of that. Uh, she. So we just go through and just look at some of these idiotic comments she she made. Um, she talked about um, President Barack Obama uh, identifying as black on the census, and then she said she doesn't remember the last time she filled out a census form. Hopefully, it was 2020, because that's when the last census was. Hopefully, it was 2020 last time she filled it out. Second right.
8: Year, I mean, Colin so like a- she literally said, "Oh, I, I can't, I, I can't remember the last time I filled out the census. Last year, it yeah, was last yeah, year. Exactly,
6: last year. It yeah. every,
8: t- it's every, ten, <laughs> it's every ten years. It was last right, year. Right.
6: right. But Colin Kaepernick." was raised by two white adoptive parents, okay? He identifies as black, okay, basically. Okay, so, you, you know- No, 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 hold
8: on, hold on. He was, ra- okay, he he was raised by two adoptive white, white parents. parents.
6: White parents, yes. Colin
8: saying I'm black.
6: Parents. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, and then, you know, she talked about Candace Owens. Well, um, Cutler brought up Candace Owens. And she took it as a compliment to Candace Owens of uh, ESPN, what have you. Well, Candace Owens is an idiot who is ignorant of history. So, you know, Sage Steele may take that as a compliment. Um, the other thing is, when we go to Disney and a vaccine mandate, uh, Sage Steele has tested positive for COVID-19, according to the rap in theGrio.com. She's tested positive for COVID-19 previously. So uh, for her to have a problem with the vaccine mandate, at Disney, uh, and they're trying to. Usually, these companies have vaccine mandates because they want to keep people safe and they're trying to save lives. Okay, but usually, a lot of these corporations—I don't know if this applies to Disney—but a lot of the corporations is either take is either get vaccinated by a certain date or get tested once a week. How is it at Disney, Roland? Do you know? Do they have the option to get tested
8: once a week or twice a week? Hell no! You got to be vaccinated, and I'm with Disney 100%. And guess what? Sage wanted Mm -hmm. to keep that high paying ass job. And that's why she got that damn shot. And let's just be real honest here. The reason Mm -hmm. we have been able to see the increase in vaccinations is because companies have mandated it. And that's the whole point. And this is real simple. If you want to have your freedom and you want to do whatever you want to, there's no problem. But it doesn't mean you're going to be able to get to keep the jobs that you have. That's what this thing is all about.
6: Okay, and the reason why I asked that is because the the um, uh, mandate from uh, Joe Biden using the labor department uh, for companies of um, companies that have employees of a hundred or more, that is a uh, either a vaccine mandate or get tested once a week. That's why I asked.
8: uh, No, no, no. But but again, a a company can make their own rules. They don't have to to follow that particular plan there. And so just like all all the major airlines have now announced that Mm -hmm. United Airlines, 97% of all of their employees have now had the vaccine because it was mandated. Now JetBlue, Southwest Airlines, and the others are following suit as well. And so that's what we're seeing. But look, I'm glad to see ESPN suspended her because it was idiotic. And it should teach you a lesson, uh, but it just made no sense whatsoever. The Obama comment and the comments about women and what they dress. Got to go to a break. We come back. We're going to talk about uh, an issue here uh, in Crenshaw uh, the purchase of a mall, black company. Why were they shut out of the process? That's next. Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network, live from LA.
9: Oh,
7: the ability to focus the the discipline on the art of organizing the challenges there's so
2: many of them and they're complex and we need to be moving to address them but i'm able to say watch out Tiffany. i know
7: this road that is so freaking dope
0: Hey, I'm Cupid. The Mega of the Cupid Shuffle and the Wham
5: Dance. What's going on? This is Tobias Travillion. And if you're ready, you are listening to and you are watching Rolling Martin Unfiltered.
8: What the? What? All right, folks. A self-off Angeles community group. They're fighting back after their bid for the historic Crenshaw Mall uh, was rejected. Downtown Crenshaw Rising says their $115 million offer was the highest one for the property, but it wasn't accepted. Mm, let's talk about it. Joining me now from L.A. is the executive director for Downtown Crenshaw Rising, Damian Goodman. Damian, glad to have you on Roland Martin Unfiltered. So um, you say you have the highest bid. How do you know that? Has it been confirmed that y'all had the highest bid and it was turned down?
0: Yes, Roland. I mean, and let's back up a little bit, because I think
8: people say we're a
0: development group. We're much more than that. We're the community. Uh, Over 300 community uh, organizations and a membership of over 2,400 people came together when we found out that our Crenshaw Mall, the most significant asset in black Los Angeles, which sits at the heart of Crenshaw and King Boulevard in the Merritt Park community, that it was to be sold to outside developers that were closely connected to Donald Trump. And so using our, our history of organizing, along with bringing together some of the best experts in community-centered development and people-centered planning, we put together a bid to bring them all under community control. We didn't want to see it falling into the hands of outside exploiters who were going to exacerbate the gentrification crisis that is rampaging our community like so many other Black urban communities across America. And so part of that process in, involved bringing together the many philanthropists and the many social impact investors throughout the country who too recognize this challenge of gentrification where all the development coming in seeks to undo and literally lead to a cultural erasure of the black people that are there. And we raised over $60 million, uh, 20, $25 million in social impact investors, over $35 million in philanthropy and submitted a $115 million bid, which was higher than the bid the Deutsche Bank, that famous bank of uh, criminals throughout the globe, accepted from a uh, heritage development group that was backed by a, uh, a person who's on Putin's list, a man by the name of Lim Bovacnik. So that's what we sit right now. Um, First our, of all, h- how much was their bid? How much, how much was their bid? It's been reported that they paid $112 million.
8: OK, so $112 million was a reason given as to why their bid was chosen and not yours?
0: Well, I mean, at, at its core, Roland, and, and I want to I emphasize this point because there was a tweet that went viral that talked about our struggle, um, and the comments were filled with fellow black people who have been engaged in uh, real estate activities or business loans who have similarly been told that their money was not green that even though they submitted the highest offer, even though their qualifications were superior, that they weren't qualified. And so Deutsche Bank, again, that infamous bank uh, that is uh, known as the the lender to Donald Trump and and has all kind of uh, nefarious activities that they've been caught red-handed with across the world, they said, well, you're not qualified. He was more qualified. This man's been bankrupt personally and has had his companies go bankrupt before. Comparatively, we brought in Um, to to assist the community in its engagement, the two architecture firms that are responsible for the most iconic black structures built in the 21st century, the uh, Smithsonian Museum, uh, National Museum of African American History and Culture, and Equal Justice Initiatives Museum or, or a Memorial for Peace and Justice down there in Montgomery. Collectively, along with some of the biggest developers on the planet, those that did the World Trade Center after 9-11. We submitted them a fully financed offer, a plan that was developed for the community that sought to bring in affordable housing, not housing we couldn't afford, sought to bring space for the incubation of of, uh, entrepreneurship businesses that were owned locally, space for work-owned cooperatives, green space. We presented the whole plan and we had the money, we had the community, and we had the plan. And they said that we were not qualified to do the project.
8: And were they saying that because you did not have mall development experience, management experience? Um, What was the rationale?
0: We we brought in the second largest uh, real estate operation on the planet to be our consultants. I want to be clear about that because there's a difference between where black people tie themselves to projects where they're just the black front and the decisions are being made by other people who are outside the community. No, the development company that we brought in, literally, who redid... The World Trade Center, after 9-11, along with multiple other projects throughout the, the the world in so many respects, was partnered with the second largest real estate operation on the planet that is operating malls today successfully all throughout Los Angeles, the country, and globe. This was not a question of qualifications, Roland. And again, we got to hit that over and over again. This was a racist process by a corrupt bank that was acting, and this is the kicker, man. They were acting at the bequest of public pension funds. The investors who, who, who invested and purchased the mall, who were to sell it, contracted, they were, they were, excuse me, they were public pension funds, right? These entities that are filled with worker money, money from black and brown people in this community and throughout other communities across the country. They contracted with DWS, which engaged in this corrupt and racist process. Right now, uh, civil rights organizations, along with ourselves, we're looking at engaging in litigation that lifts up that uh, 19 excuse me 1866 Civil Rights Act, the same act that was invoked by Byron Allen when he was denied his opportunity to uh, engage in uh, the acquisition of radio and, and other uh, multinational pro- or excuse me multi companies. We're looking into that right now, and I think we'll have an announcement quickly. This was old fashioned racism. This was old fashioned denial of the opportunity for black people to own, live, build and thrive in the community that we occupy.
8: Uh, Questions for our panel, I'll start with uh, Mustafa.
4: Well, brother, thank you for for the work that you're doing. Um, I've spent almost 30 years on place-based work. So I've seen time and time again, how difficult it is for black and brown led projects to actually Um, you know, make it to fruition. So my question is, because this is, was a community driven project that you had strong community support, uh, what has been the outcry from the community and who all have you all been engaging with uh, to hold folks accountable?
0: Well, um, as my good friend from the South says, people are mad as a West, uh, as a wet hen. Um, I, I think in so many respects, we've been told that we did not have the money, we, we did not have the qualifications. And sometimes that's been true. But here, that wasn't the case. And this was ours. And we did the, we did the building. We brought together the civil rights organization. We brought together the renters and the homeowners and, and, and multiple unions that were—many units that were invested in this project. So people are here and they're ready to fight, um, not just because the person who they sold it to literally is a sexual assaulting racist, by the name of David Schwartzman of Harris Development Group. You can just Google him and find out his history. It has a long history of being anti-tenant, anti-merchant, and violating the Fair Housing Act and other civil rights engagement, civil rights acts. Not only that, but because, you know, we did what everyone says we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to come together. And if black people just came together, things would get better. While ignoring that we must operate in a society that is predicated on systemic racism and where the decisions are being made by white people far away who want to continue the exploitation of our community. We seek to, to change that entirely by having a project that uplifts, not uproots this community, and that's a threat. That's not just a threat here in Crenshaw. That's a threat to the way these people do business throughout the country and world.
8: Michael.
6: Hey, brother, look, I, I applaud you for what you're doing, man, and I know it's a, uh, I know it's a tough a tough job. I, I used to be a general contractor on a um, construction project here in Detroit, so I understand, for a black-owned company. Uh quick question for you. You mentioned public pension funds, okay? And a, a lot of times, um, money managers will loan pension fund money to developers, and the developers will take that pension fund money and come into our communities and gentrify out of our own communities. Can you talk about, again, the role that pension funds played? What, what was that statement you talked about, you made about public pension funds? Brother,
0: you hit the nail on the head. Um, and, and two of the pension funds, one was the state of Michigan, and the other was the Detroit uh, Police and Fire pension fund system. So this was not just pension funds in Los Angeles and in California, including the mm-hmm. Los Angeles uh, County employees and the UC Board of Regents. These were pension funds throughout the country, and some of the biggest pension funds throughout The nation, Um, New York City employees and New York City teachers, right? And so this is public money, right? Because this is the money that comes directly from the the public agency along with the member match, so public employees. And they are a $5.2 trillion investment uh, operation throughout the globe. Collectively, that's how much money these pension funds invest throughout the globe. And much of their investments are into real estate. Well, we found out, and this was news to me, and we're pretty aware. um, We've listened to people talk about getting pension funds to divest from fossil fuels. Obviously, there's that amazing history of us engaging in the anti-apartheid movement where we focused on pension funds like the UC Board of Regents to divest from companies that were doing, doing business there. Well, these public pension funds are literally funding some of the biggest and most parasitic and harmful developments in urban communities like Los Angeles. And so they controlled the decision, along with Deutsche Bank, uh, Deutsche Bank DWS, to decide where the mall that sits in the black community went to. And I wanna be clear, you know, we did all the work, we were open, we've had literally over a 100 community meetings and a community vision. This was the product and the plan that we were talking about before, which most, more people can read about at downtowncrenshaw.com, is a community vision. But we weren't the only Black-led team. We were the only Black community-led team, but we weren't the only Black-led team that was passed over. You had some of the biggest Black developers in America that were passed over as well. So that's where you get to, again, you know, these public pension funds led by the same people who don't look like me and you. 98 percent. 98 percent of the people who control investments, major investments in the country are not Black and not women. 98 percent. Right, so who were they talking to? They didn't even I don't think they even had seen, and nor could they imagine that a community group could come together, raise as much money, put bring together a professional team with expertise both in community development and large scale projects. It, it floored them, so they had to come up with some ridiculous reasons as to why they denied it, but at the, at the core of it remains stone cold <laughs> racism, and they will be held to account for it.
6: All right, thank you. Teresa.
7: Yeah, Damian, one, I applaud your efforts. Um, look, I live in the city of Brotherly Love where these conversations are happening daily as um, some are led to build areas of real estate that, and gentrify areas, and then some really do have a community-focused approach. Um, so I think, for me, my question to you, and one, I just learned a lot, and I'm sitting here looking at your website, um, about literally the plan. This is probably the best Bill out of downtowncrenshaw.com uh, of the message, the plan, the vision, and sign the petition. So, my question to you is how do you and what do you need from your other partners outside of signing the petition? Like I said before, I'm in Philadelphia, but I'm sure there's some advocates here that would love to help you or share their stories. Um, are you guys contacting elected officials? So what needs to be done? So nationwide, this can also, um, again, I think there is happening every city. We just don't know. Right. But I think this is a foolproof plan that is like, look, this is what one guy is doing. And the next of 300 organizations is doing, and we need to take note, and we need to support. So what can people do?
0: I appreciate that question, sister. And you know, we have always said that this was more than about a mole. This was about a movement. This was about both saying to this Crenshaw community, undergoing the threat of gentrification, like so many others, that community ownership is an imped- in- imperative, Excuse me, and that we have uh, several impediments that need to be knocked down along the way. And so we got to come together. We've got to come together locally. We've got to come together nationally. We even have to come together internationally and saying that we have a right to be in our spaces, saying that there is a role for elected officials to use their voices, and some did and some didn't, Um, and that there is a role for elected officials to bring these entities, like these public pension funds, and these foreign banks like Deutsche Bank who are doing business in our community in a racially discriminatory manner to be called to account. So we're absolutely going to sue them. We're going to absolutely continue to organize. We're absolutely going to continue to build off and build that greater movement of over 300 community groups that are working with us that are members, like literally members. I mean, that's the other key piece of it. As members of the organization, when we bought the mall, we were going to provide shares to everyone so that we could collectively own in the, in this space and, and see the development that is that, that is building on the best of us. Was something that didn't go. This is this is not something that went toward even the enrichment of the board members. As a nonprofit board member, we are prohibited from having any um, uh, profits go to us personally. This was about community empowerment. So, what we've seen along the way is that those. Be they in Detroit, be they in, in, in Philadelphia, New York, D.C., have wanted to be get engaged in this process both to learn and to support and to bring back to their own communities this model so that they can do the same. And that's where we are. We are firmly focused on doing, continuing to build that out, continuing to tell this story, while we elongate this campaign. Um, we know that that the, while the mall's ownership has changed and it's now in the hands of Heritage along with Lim Bovaknik, that we will continue to fight. Um, looking at other successful efforts, both in the history of this country, the history of our ancestors, and even more recently, just in San Francisco, where developers were forced to come to their, were forced on their knees and forced to sell developments to the community's desired uh, owner. Um, and so that's going to be our goal. That's going to be our focus. Um, and we, we have the, the winds of our ancestors and the wings, we ride on the wings of our ancestors and the winds of change behind us.
8: Thank you. Damian Goodman, executive director of Cringe downtown Crenshaw Cringe Rising. We really appreciate you joining us on the show. Appreciate you, Rolling. All right, thanks a lot. All right, folks, let's talk about black-owned media. Uh, yesterday on the Today Show, uh, Carlos Watson, who is the founder of Ozzy Media, announced that uh, despite the, what it was, they announced on Friday, uh, they're not going to be shutting the media company down. He sat down with Craig Melvin, Uh, On today's show and uh, talked about uh, what took place last week with the company, said that he should have done uh, more media interviews and uh, did not like what uh, was being reported about the company and that he said that they're going to be like Lazarus and come back from the dead. Well, yesterday he taped an interview with The Breakfast Club, which aired today. And in that particular interview, Uh, 50-minute interview, he talked about a variety of things, uh, answered their questions. Uh, During the interview, Charlemagne also revealed that he was an investor uh, in Aussie as well, apparently invested about $10,000. Well, uh, during the interview, uh, Carlos uh, a couple of times called out me and Soldat O'Brien because we were critical of Aussie and posts we made. But then at the end of the interview, he brought me up again. Listen to this.
2: Like, look through it. I'd be happy for people to do it, and I'd be happy for people to compare it, apples to apples. Are you going to talk to some of these people that's really criticizing you, like the Roland Martins? Would you sit down with Rolling? Would love to. Love okay. to Rolling, love to. we're going to make that happen. And, and you know, I was disappointed in Roland, if I'm honest. Okay. I was disappointed in him, but you know what? Um, maybe I was wrong, and so I'm happy to learn and grow. What disappointed you the most? Um, I, I thought that, um, I thought it was a little bit of a crabs, crabs in the bucket sort of thing. I thought that. Immediately, he saw us in trouble, and he just, more than anyone, he was the one retweeting and posting, and, and it was almost assassination-like, and given his experience at CNN and what happened to him, I thought he'd be the last person being involved in that kind of thing, and so, you know, it is what it is, and, um, um, and I've got to learn from that, and I've got to get better, but but if you ever see me doing that, let me know if you see me doing that. I hope, I hope you will never see me doing that. I hope even if we have differences, you and I'll have the conversation. I won't be out there trying to assassinate people in public along with the mob. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Well, it's Carlos Watson. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Yeah.
8: All right. So uh, let me speak to that. Uh, Carlos, it's very clear that you don't follow me. It's abundantly clear that you don't follow me on social media, because if you did, you would realize that I often talk about media stories. I've been in media for 14 since I was 14 years old. Uh, this was not something that I fell into. I didn't go to school majoring in something else and then fell into media uh, later like you did. I chose this when I was 14 years old. I'll be 53 years old on November 14th. So, this has been my life for 39 years. And if anybody who follows me, they know I often post stories, retweet stories, comment on stories that deal with the media. When I'm doing Joe Concha, who is a media and political columnist for Up the Hill, who's also with Fox News, oh, check the timeline you'll see the comments that I've made directly to him. The other thing is this here, Carlos. You saw what I had to say because I tagged you. See, I ain't no punk. I'm not going to comment about Ozzy and comment about you and not tag you. Uncle Roro, don't subtweet. I'm real clear about being open and honest. Those criticized me when I cracked on Shakari Richardson for coming in ninth. Why you hit the tagger? Because that's what I do. I don't subtweet. So anybody who follows me knows I'm often talking about media, talking about advertising, talking about uh, all of those different things, because this is what I do. This is uh, what I talk about. And I've discussed other media companies owned by black people. So this whole idea that somehow, oh, it's crabs in a bucket. First of all, it's called crabs in a barrel. Um, it's not crabs in a barrel. And then to say, well, I saw an opportunity. I see an opportunity. The fact of the matter is I am a black-owned media company that's serving black people, that's targeting African-Americans. There are others who watch my show who are not black, who do appreciate the show, and I've gotten emails from them, contributions from them. The reality, Carlos, I don't think I've ever heard you say you're a black-owned company. You probably have positioned yourself as saying I'm a media company owned by somebody who's African-American. The second thing, when well, you said you called it assassination. So you don't like the fact that I've retweeted others who have had negative things to say about you? Your former writer, Eugene Robinson, who wrote a very critical substack about you, comments that you made about him? What? That can't be retweeted? Are you suggesting, Carlos, that I, as an African-American who owns a media company, that you expected me to be quiet because it involved you? You and I don't have a relationship. We don't. Our paths have crossed. I remember the reason I think I have your phone number because Constance White, who used to write for Ozzy, I think she's still writing. I don't know if she's writing for them. Said, "Hey, you and uh, Carl's are to hook up." She either sent me the number or I sent you a message on LinkedIn, so I got your number. So after the interview yesterday, Charlemagne said you should call me. You called me. I was busy yesterday with the George Lopez Golf Tournament. So my Booker has already reached out to you, called you, and text you about having you come on the show. You sat with The Breakfast Club for 50 minutes? Fine, Carlos. You come on Roland Martin Unfiltered in the Black Star Network, and let's have a conversation about what has transpired, and there's a series of questions that I do have for you, and I've watched the Craig Melvin interview and the interview with The Breakfast Club, and I've got a lot of follow-ups to some stuff that you had to say. But the thing for me, Carlos, that I need you to understand, and anybody who follows me knows this, The model that I have had my entire career has been this. If you do good, I'll talk about you. If you do bad, I'll talk about you. At the end of the day, I'll talk about you. So talking about Ozzy and reading the New York Times story by Ben Smith that I was quoted in, a subsequent story, reading the story from Forbes, reading Eugene Robinson's account, Reading the other accounts as well, yes, I've seen those stories. And see, Carlos, you can't have it both ways where everybody is wrong and you're right. I'll give you a perfect example. I could hold it for the interview. I'm going to give you a perfect example. During your interview with The Breakfast Club, you castigated Ben Smith for writing about the mental health issues of your COO, the one who impersonated the YouTube executive. You said that shouldn't have been written about. Here's the problem with that. Later in the interview, see, I want you to understand, Carlos, how I, I listen to what somebody says. Later in the interview, Charlemagne came back and asked you about it and then said, well, you upset that Ben Smith wrote about it, but you the one who told Ben about the mental issue. And so had you not told Ben about the mental issue, how would Ben have written about the mental issue? Because you told him. See what happens when you listen? And so it's 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 silly. It's nonsensical, Carlos, to act as if, oh, I was disappointed. And then you want to bring up what I went through at CNN. Well, what about it? See, I'll address things head on as well. And so are you suggesting, Carlos, that because I went through some drama at CNN nine years ago, that somehow I can't speak about or talk about something else? Nah, bruh, that's not how that happens. And so it wasn't character assassination. It wasn't, ooh, I saw an opportunity because what you do at Ozy is totally different than what I do. I own my blackness. I'm upfront about my blackness. I'm very clear about who I serve. I'm very clear about the audience that I am trying to speak to. And so there there is no, again, uh, oh my goodness, I am uh, trying to gain some advantage. But I will say this, Carlos, and you and I, We'll talk about this when we have the conversation. I I will say to you, though, that it is important when we talk about uh, what happened when it came to getting these advertising dollars. And you admitted in your interview with the Breakfast Club how you benefited from the battle. But Byron Allen and Todd Brown and myself and Butch Graves and Don Jackson uh, and uh, Junior Bridgman uh, and Diddy and others have been engaged in because you have been able to sit back quietly and reap the benefits of the work that we put in. And so we'll see what happens right now. We'll see what happens with the future of Aussie, I've seen the story in the New York Times where one of your investors is suing you right now for two million dollars for failing to disclose what happened with Goldman Sachs and YouTube. We see that another story said the advertisers are staying clear of you. You know what? That's all your business. But what I am going to say, Carlos, I am more than willing to talk with you. I am in L.A. through Sunday. You I know you were there in Silicon Valley. You were in New York. Today's show and doing the Breakfast Club. So I'm, interview- I'm doing various one-on-one interviews for a new show on the Black Star Network called Rolling with Roland. And so I have open slots, Carlos, tomorrow on Wednesday. I've got slots open on Thursday. All day Friday is open. Saturday is open. If you find yourself in L.A., come on by. We'll- I'll text you the address, and we can have a conversation right here. If you can't come, we'll have a conversation on the show. See, you said to, uh, to uh, Charlemagne, well, Charlemagne, if you see me doing something like this here, you will call me first. That means that you want to have an offline conversation. Well, he's one of the investors in your company. You have a relationship. I don't have a relationship with you. So, you and I having a conversation offline, why? You had one with Craig Melvin on The Today Show, you had one with Charlemagne, DJ Envy, and Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. So we have a conversation. It's going to be a public conversation and it should be because again, I am a journalist and what I was raised on. It was about truth, integrity, character, honesty. It was about being upfront and clear, owning mistakes, not accepting BS, but do not mistake Carlos. Now, any criticism that I have is personal. It's a vendetta. It's assassination, or anything along those lines. It's called truth, and truth is what reigns supreme. Truth is what matters. Not fudging, not being astray, not 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 getting too out there which you admitted in the interview that y'all did with some of your marketing things, how you, uh, and I'll pull the comment up, how you sort of, um, uh, how you uh, 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 strayed or, you know, you were too aggressive, whatever, with some claims made. Where I come from, we call that lying. But we'll go over all of that in the conversation that we have. But don't ever, Carlos, get it twisted. Don't ever assume that anything I do is trying to assassinate somebody. It's called speaking truth all day, every day, 24-7, 365, 366 in a leap year. I'll be back on the Black Star Network in a moment.
0: Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Merrier. Food
5: is her love language. And she really loves her grandson, like really loves. It's time to be smart. When we control our institutions, we we win. This is the most important news show on television of any racial background. Y'all put two, three, four, five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty dollars on this and keep this going. What you've done Roland, since this crisis came out in full bloom. Anybody watching this, tell your friends, go back and look at the last two weeks, especially of Roland Martin Unfiltered. I mean, hell, go back and look at the last two days. You've had sitting United States senators today, Klobuchar and Harris. Whatever you have that you have, you can bring to Roland Martin Unfiltered to support it, please do because this information may literally save your life. Watch Roland
8: Martin Unfiltered daily at 6 p.m. Eastern on YouTube, Facebook, or Periscope, or go to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Support the Roland Martin Unfiltered Daily Digital Show by going to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans, contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible, RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Hey everybody, it's your man for Ed Hammond.
7: Hi, my name is Brescia Webb, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. And... Well, I like a nice filter usually, but we can be unfiltered.
8: All right, folks. Uh, this, of course, uh, every Tuesday we focus on Black-owned businesses. Every Wednesday we have Tech Talk, uh, and so when we focus on African Americans in technology, this should have been our Tech Talk uh, right here, folks. Uh, and we'll talk about a new app allows for you to help track down your family members and keep you safe uh, during encounters with law enforcement. Folks, when activated, the Angel Tech, A-N-G-J-E-L, tech app begins sending a live stream video and GPS alerts with directions to the person's location. The founder of Angel Tech is James A. Samuel, Jr. Uh, joins me now from Washington, D.C. Gl- James, glad to have you uh, on the show. So uh, what uh, precipitated uh, you creating uh, this particular app?
1: Hey, Roland, thank you. It's an honor to be here. And uh, before I get started, I do want to level set and give all praise, honor, and glory to my Heavenly Father, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and to His Holy Spirit, without whom I would not be here or have the insights or the innovation to produce this application, Angel Tech. Uh, what precip- And thank you for the opportunity to be here, of course, you and your, your marvelous platform. What precipitated this app was uh, a need for personal safety. I think it was Michael Eric Dyson, or Eric Michael Dyson, I always get his names mixed up, but he, he said something that stuck with me years ago. He said, The security of the United States is built upon the insecurity of the African American. And I never forgot that. And so when you look at the events over the last 400 years, right, and you look at the insecurity, the habitual historic insecurity of the African Americans in the United States, um, which is only, you know, recently really been brought back to light, you know, GM Crow 2.0, we'll say, uh, angel tech was needed the whole time, right? We needed to know where our loved ones were. We needed to know, um, what was happening to them. We needed to know where we were in relation to them. And we needed to be able to store that securely and have a record of it for accountability and that we can be there to help each other out and know how to get there, have a route to get there. And it was really the events of last summer when George Floyd was asphyxiated, was was um, strangled, right? Uh, lynched on that pavement there in Minnesota by a convicted felon murderer, Derek Chauvin. That's what spurred me to ask my team of developers to really make this happen. Now it's it's been needed for far too long. So we store in October. We got it in the Google Play Store this February.
8: Um, and uh, so when did you launch it? How many downloads have you had? Uh, and, and walk us through the technology when you say it sends a live uh, video feed. Um, how does that actually work? Walk us through the app.
1: Oh, absolutely. I can walk you through it. I can show you here in a second. Um, but uh, we've seen an incredible increase in our user base. Um, you know, we had over 40,000 people, uh, you know, come on, like the, pro, uh, the platform. Uh, we went from about 200 users to about 5,000 users uh, just a few days back in April and been increasing since then. Uh, So we're just now in this uh, phase that we're really marketing, and we appreciate the opportunity to let your audience know about this. Uh, And it does. It sends a live stream. And so I have the app here on my phone, and you simply click on it, and it opens up, right? And then there I am. I am live on here. And when I hit start stream, it then sends this stream of me to my loved ones. And I'll get a text notification, which is right there I just did. And the app notifies me, and I get an email And now my loved ones are all watching this live stream of me on your show. They know where I am, you know, where they are in relation to me. securely stored in the cloud and they know how to get to me and or send help. And they all have this record on their phones now. And so there's no other way that you can stream on a platform to where when the stream is done, you can download that onto your phone. You don't have to try to get this phone or get a police, you know, um, subpoena to get the body cam from the police. They have this record in me. And then there's my, my wife saying, hey, Daddy, we see you. And so she's texting me there, and they're starting to interact with me in the platform because uh, they're watching this both on your show and online. Thanks, bro. I got you, too. My brother's all talking to right the uh, question All
8: right, then. Questions uh, from my panelists. First of all, I'll start with Michael Emotep.
1: Hey,
6: James. Hey, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for this great uh, invention as well, the Angel app. So uh, just curious. um have you gotten any testimonies from people who used it in real life situations, stopped by police, et cetera? And if so, what were their responses? What were their what, what, how did they say uh, what did they say the outcome was? What were their responses to using the app?
1: Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, one of our earlier users back in April, her name is Lori. Um, she said that she and her son had just heard about this when we got you know picked up in that news uh, uh, cycle in the April time frame. Um, they read about us in other publications, I think Black Enterprise was one, and they downloaded the app and they hadn't even tested it yet when their first son went on a road trip uh, driving through the south. And it was during that road trip that they got pulled over, him and his friends, and they were young black youth in the south in a car, got pulled over, um, and he used angel tech. He had just put it on his phone, he started a live stream, his mother knew exactly where he was. Um, she was able to see the live stream, she was able to hear the police officer's interaction. Um, and so she was one of our biggest, earliest advocates. And so, um, you can see those testimonials. We have those and others on angel.live. That's A-N-J-E-L live because we want you to live, right? To be free and then right. to be fulfilled. All
6: right. Thank you. Thank you. Great job.
8: Teresa.
7: Yeah, one, um, thank you so much for the app. I'm um, actually in the midst of trying to download it myself. Uh, so, I mean, how, I mean, just tell me about the idea. Like, how did this start? Like, what, what did you think about? What was the need that you saw it was time to um, build this app and keep it going?
1: Oh, thank you. I, I saw the need. Um, again, it's a historic 400-year need, right, for us in, in the country. But um, we were in another technology inside of that technology which we're still building it's a safer way for us to all navigate and find services that are around us that we didn't know about Uh, and i'll I'll come back on your show hopefully in the future and tell you about that other invention of ours that we have a provisional patent for as well as this one feature inside of that you're navigating more smartly and if you get pulled over or if you have a hostile public interaction then you press the button uh, you press the angel tech button and it launches the live stream and so this was a feature inside of another app, which we are still building. Um, and you know, it's, it's it's amazing how fiction inspires truth, right? But uh, I was actually watching uh, the movie *Queen and Slim* and was inspired, like, hey, you know what? If they had had a camera on their phone, this is in January of 2020. This is before George Floyd happened, right? Um, but if they would had a camera on their phone in that movie, if they were able to stream and you know, with other intelligence that they knew the neighborhood they were in, and started thinking about it back in January of 2020, then like I said, when they happened with George Floyd. I knew we had to make this a reality right now. Uh,
8: Mustafa.
4: Well, this is amazing technology. I I can see so many other types of applications for it, along with the, you know, sort of the the direct area that you've currently been focusing on, whether it is, you know, ladies leaving the club uh, and something pops off or, you know, folks out hiking in places and sometimes they're not safe spaces for folks of color out there. So I think there are lots about you know lots of possibilities. My my, my main question for you is, um, how are you going to help to educate and market uh, to make sure that folks really know the value added that this brings? You know, in churches, and in a mosque, um, and in schools. Um, what what's the plan moving forward to help this to grow?
1: Thank you for that question. That was, that was a great segue. I didn't pay you to ask me that question, but that speaks directly to the point I, I was hoping I would have a chance to make here. And that is, there's, a, there's another version of Angel Tech. So you can go to angel.tech, dot Tech, or angel.live, A-N-J-E-L, angel with a J, dot live, and to read about our testimonials and see our 30-day free trial on different plans and whatnot. But there's another version of Angel that we created. It's called Angels in Campus and we've created and we're marketing it currently to HBCUs, Historically Black Colleges and Universities, because it does everything that you've seen me do in the Angel Tech app that we've talked about, but it also allows that Department of Public Safety at that college or university to get the same live stream when the person pushes the DPS button in the Angels in Campus app. And we're working with a few um, very prominent HBCUs now in getting that into uh, their security fabric for their campus. And we see HBCUs, we see the power, and we see the prestige, and we see the promise of historically black colleges and universities to our community and to the world, right, Uh, you know, at VP Harris, right? And, you know, just protecting those black lives and all of our black lives, you know, and then the world's lives ultimately, but really focusing there, we hope to build a community through those historically black colleges and universities and the parents and the Parents Association, because. The other thing about Angels and Campus is not only can you as a streamer press the button and have your college campus dispatch office notified, your viewers can also press the same button on their viewing side of the app and bring your college <laughs> campus security to you at your point of need from wherever they are in another state or wherever. And that is revolutionary. So we're working with several HBCUs and, and those that are listening now, if you're a chancellor and administrator, uh, hit us up, info at angel.tech. And let's talk about your school having this as well, because that's the future uh, of of our great thinkers in our community.
8: All right, then, folks, Uh, it's called Angel Tech, A-N-J-E-L Tech. Uh, James A. Samuel Jr. is the founder. Uh, Download uh, the app. uh, uh, And uh, obviously, I'm sure it's Android uh, and Apple. Is it only for the phones? Does it also uh, work with iPads as well?
1: It only works on phones, but it works on all Android and all iOS platforms. It works anywhere in the world, and we're the only app like this that works anywhere in the world that you have a cell phone signal. And I, and I do also want to give credit, Roland, to some other partners and other people, right? Um, Natalie Wilson and um, and Derricka Wilson at Black and Missing Foundation, You know, our missing persons, we're you know um, inspired by them and, and hope to partner with them soon. Um, blackfacts.com is another great uh, organization out there doing great work in our community you know, Ken Anderson and uh, Dale Bodie, And then we're also been approached by Hollywood, right? So there's a short film that's being put together right now by Jerika uh, Armstrong and Jermaine uh, Williams uh, of the great debaters fame. Um, it's called Welcome, and it's a short film um, that talks about this dynamic around not just our technology, but this whole dynamic of personal safety in public spaces. And so we're really encouraged and inspired by our partners and, and others like-minded in, in this fight and in this struggle.
8: All right, then. Certainly appreciate it, James. Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you, Roland, for having me.
8: All right. Thank you very much, folks. Got to go to the break. We come back. More Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network, live from L.A.
9: Oh, that spin class was brutal. You can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice.
7: Punches. Thank you, Roland Martin, for always giving voice to the issues.
5: Look for Roland Martin in the whirlwind. To quote Marcus Garvey again, the
7: video looks phenomenal. So I'm really excited to see it on my big screen. Support this man, Black
3: Media. He makes sure that our stories are told.
5: See this difference between. Black Star Network and black-owned media, and something like CNN. I gotta defer to the brilliance of Dr. Carr and to the brilliance of the Black Star Network. I am
8: rolling with rolling all the way. Honored to be on a show that you own. A black man owns the show, folks. Black Star Network
5: is here. I'm real uh, revolutionary right now. Rolling was amazing on that. Stay I love y'all. I can't commend you enough about this platform
10: that you've created for us to be able to share who we are, what we're doing in the world, and the impact that we're having.
5: Let's be smart. Bring your eyeballs home.
8: You can't be black on media and be scared. You dig?
2: I'm Godfrey, and you're watching
10: Roland Martin Unfiltered. And while he's doing Unfiltered, I'm practicing the wobble.
8: All right, folks, two Kansas City police officers are on trial for wrongly arresting a black teenager. In two thousand sixteen, Tyree Bell was fifteen at the time. He was jailed after officers Jonathan Munyan and Peter Newkirch said he matched the description of one of the three black teenagers showing off a firearm. Bell's family says he was detained despite evidence of his innocence. Now in 2019, U.S. District Judge Greg Kays dismissed a civil rights lawsuit ruling the officers were entitled. To qualify immunity. But last year, an appeals court overturned Kay's decision. Police Chief Rick Smith and the Kansas City Board of Police Commissioners are also listed as defendants uh, in this particular case. Let's go to Texas. Well, the Texas Board of Pardons and Paroles recommends a posthumous pardon to George Floyd for 2004 drug arrest. He was arrested by a now indicted ex Houston police officer. whose whose case history is under scrutiny following a deadly drug raid. It was a unanimous recommendation from the seven-member board and now goes to Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who is going to make the final decision. Of course, George Floyd killed last year uh, in in Minneapolis that sparked uh, protests all around the country and the globe as well. All right, folks, uh, going to a break. We come back. uh, Our uh, black and missing case will give you the latest on that uh, and discuss some more news on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network, live from Los Angeles.
0: Betty is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now, she's free to become
5: Bear Hug Betty. Settle in, kids. You'll be there a while. Ooh, where you going?
7: Hi, I'm Kim Burrell. Hi, I'm Carl Payne. Hey, everybody, this is Sherry Shepherd. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. <laughs>
8: Sky Saunders has not been seen since August 31st, 2021 uh, in Tacoma Park, Maryland. She is five feet two inches tall and weighs 120 pounds. She has brown hair and brown eyes. Anyone with information about her whereabouts should call the Tacoma Police Department at 301-270-1100. 301-270-1100. Uh, hundred. All right, folks, the estate of Henrietta Lacks uh, is suing a biotech company claiming it's been selling her cervical cells without her knowledge or the the estate's knowledge or consent. The federal lawsuit says Thermo Fisher Scientific knowingly mass produced and sold the tissue obtained through what it calls a racially unjust medical system. The cells in question were taken in 1951 by doctors at Johns Hopkins. Lacks was terminally ill at the time, and her cells have been used for use in countless scientific research studies since. Her family says now it's time for justice for Henrietta Lacks.
3: About time, here, 70 years later, we mourn Henrietta Lacks, and we will celebrate taking back control of Henrietta Lax's <laughs> legacy. This will not be passed on to another generation of Laxers. Amen. We stop here and we move forward to get control of Henrietta's legacy and I would like to restore my family's honor. Throughout the years of watching my family go through what they went through, my dad being ignored in courthouses, my grandmother, defamed by, she had to sign her name with an X. My grandmother had beautiful penmanship. It's in my book, Henrietta Lacks the Untold Story, where I share my stories of my family's plight to get here where we are today. And God brought us here together over these 70 years, it wasn't time back then. It's time now. The time is now. All right, folks,
8: the lawsuit wants a court to block their use without permission and force the $35 billion company to hand over profits from the Hella sales. Uh, What do you make of this, Mustafa?
4: Well, the company should have already settled. It would just make sense that they've made billions of dollars off of this. There's a history of the extraction of black body parts. You can go back to uh, Dr. J. Marion Sims in the 1800s when they were actually experimenting on enslaved people at that time. He's known as the father of gynecology because of all that he did to black women. So this is just, it keeps playing out decade after decade. So I hope that this family actually gets the restitution that they deserve. Teresa. Theresa?
7: Yeah, it's a disgrace. Um, but again, I am just in awe. Again, history um, is now catching up to them. Um, I hope everybody gets their book. I mean, because, again, we, we can't allow these things to happen. Um, and I think, you know, when we actually sign up and say we are organ donors or we are not, we need to ensure that whatever medical professional are following the law.
6: Michael. You know, Roland, this is uh, great news. I talked about this uh, last night on my show. Um, you know, yesterday was the 70th anniversary of the passing of Henrietta Lacks also. Not only was her uh, sales used in polio vaccine and gene mapping and intro, uh, in vitro fertilization, but also um, uh, Attorney Benjamin Crump said yesterday in an interview that it was all her cells were also used in the COVID-19 vaccine. And he said... Um, Her cells have been used since basically 1951, but the statute of limitations has ran out on a lot of other uses. But because of COVID-19, that's something new. And uh, this is something that they're really pushing in the lawsuit. So it's a brilliant strategy. Thermo Fisher Scientific, uh, on their website, they said their annual revenue is $35 billion a year. So hopefully they get everything that they deserve in this lawsuit. It's long overdue
8: all right then folks take a real short quick break we come back we'll talk about a brother who won a hundred and thirty seven million dollar settlement against Tesla Elon Musk time to pay up you're watching Roller Martin unfiltered broadcasted live from Los Angeles on the black star network
9: oh that spin class was brutal Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat oh yeah that's nice
0: Hi, everybody, this is Jonathan Nelson.
7: Hi, this is Cheryl Lee Ralph, and you are watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered.
8: All right, folks, Tesla, they got to pay $137 million to a former black worker who said he suffered racial abuse at the electric car maker San Francisco Bay Area factory. A San Francisco jury concluded the elevator operator Owen Diaz was subjected to racial harassment and a hostile work environment. He worked at the Fremont factory. In 2015 and 2016, he said he faced daily harassment from co-workers, including the use of the N-word, and that swastikas and racist graffiti and drawings uh, were displayed around the plant. That's a whole lot there. Man, $137 million, uh, Michael. Uh, bottom line is racism. Y'all, y'all, Y'all want to keep playing games with it? Now you got to pay up.
6: Uh, yeah, Roland. You know, now they have to pay up. But also, when you read, when you study this case, he made numerous complaints to it appears uh, human resources. He made numerous complaints, and they were ignored. Also, so uh, yeah, this this is uh, huge. Um, and uh, an HR executive from Tesla is trying to downplay the severity of it, but it's like no, the 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 the, the jury disagreed with that. Uh, so, 137 million dollar uh, judgment. So, yeah, they have to pay up on this one.
8: As they say, uh, Teresa, you going to learn today. <laughs>
7: <laughs> Absolutely. You know what? This black uh, elevator mm-hmm. operator um, is another black man. He's an individual. He is not a piece of trash. He is an individual who works for a billion-dollar company, and he needs to be treated with respect. Because without him, some of those people wouldn't be in their office making some of those big decisions. So we need to respect our service. We need to service workers, and we would respect those um, who respect us daily. So good for him.
8: All right, Mustafa.
4: Well, well, let's put it into perspective. Elon Musk is worth $200 billion as of yesterday, and it continues to go up. So this brother deserves every penny that he gets And hopefully tesla will get its act together to make sure that this type of behavior never happens again so if you want to be a part of the new clean economy and tell the world that you know you want to see change happen change has to start within your organization
8: and leaders should also lead uh michael mustafa Teresa, i appreciate y'all joining us today folks a little bit early so let me explain to you uh we are here in los angeles Uh, we were here i was here for the george lopez golf tournament on yesterday uh, and so what we're doing is we're doing a series of one-on-one interviews uh, for uh, a new show. It's going to be the Black Star Network. We are calling it Rolling with Roland. So last time we were here uh, in Los Angeles, we talked to uh, actor Richard Lawson, Jeffrey Osborne, Mario Van Peebles, actor Glenn Turman, Jack A., Bill Duke, uh, as well as uh, comedian Michael Collier. I think I'm missing somebody we talked to. Uh, and so, uh, this week, of course, uh, go to my iPad today. Uh, we, uh, I've already talked to my man, actor Dondre Whitfield. Uh, y'all saw him on the Cosby show. You saw him on Queen Sugar. Uh, he's been in a whole lot, uh, of, um, of, of different, uh, movies and TV shows. And so in a moment, I'm going to be interviewing Jan- Janice Howard, Howard who runs a uh, billion-dollar company here. So the first black woman to run a billion-dollar company. And so uh, the only time she could do uh, was in our 7 o'clock hour of the show. And so I moved the show up 45 minutes early uh, to accommodate her schedule. But we've got some great interviews lined up this week as well. Uh, And so some of the folks we'll be talking to, uh, Johnny Gill, Uh, we'll be talking to uh, comedian Guy Torrey, Sherry Shepard, actor, dancer Damaris Lewis, uh, director Maddie Rich. Uh, Laz Alonso as well uh, and so be looking forward to talking to them and some other folks uh, with Eric Dickerson uh, uh, comedian Chris Spencer and so we're trying to lock down Kenya Barris Jimmy Jam Reggie Hutland Michael Ely Sheila E and Deray Davis and so it's gonna be a fascinating show one hour conversations uh, you're gonna really enjoy that uh, and so that's what we're doing here and so when we when we come out here we still do the show but again what we try to do is uh, we try to uh, do as many of these as possible uh, Uh, putting these shows together, editing these shows uh, again uh, for one of the new shows is going to be on the Black Star Network. So we cannot wait. If you have not downloaded the Black Star app, please do so. Uh, We've exceeded 15,000 downloads. We're trying to get to 20,000. Our goal by December 31st, folks, we want to have 50,000 downloads on the app. If we get there sooner, it will be absolutely great. To do so, go to all platforms, Apple, Android, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Samsung, Xbox, uh, Amazon Fire, all of those platforms. And we also want you to support uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered Black Star Network. Your dollars goes to make it possible for us to be able to come out here, uh, rent an Airbnb, set all of our cameras up. Hire uh, these African American audio technicians and photographers uh, to, to assist us with this. And so please, uh, Cash App is dollar sign RM unfiltered, PayPal.me forward slash R Martin unfiltered, Venmo.com forward slash RM unfiltered. Uh, and then, of course, Zell is rolling at rollinsmartin.com, rolling at unfiltered.com. All right, folks, that is it for us. I certainly appreciate y'all joining us today early. Uh, My apologies, uh, but sometimes we got to do what we got to do. Tomorrow we're going to be at our regularly scheduled time uh, at 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Thank you so very much, folks. Uh, We will see you tomorrow right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Holla!
5: Time to be smart. Roland Martin's doing this every day. Oh no punches! Thank you, Roland Martin, for always giving voice the issues. Look for Roland Martin in the whirlwind, to quote Marcus Garvey again. The video looks
7: phenomenal, so I'm really excited to see it on my big screen. Support this man,
3: Black media. He makes sure that our stories are told.
5: See, this the difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. I got to defer to the brilliance of Dr. Carr and to the brilliance of the Black Star Network. I am
8: rolling with Roland all the way. Honored to be on a show that you own, a Black man. <laughs> On the show. Folks, Black Star Network is here. I'm real uh, revolutionary right now. Like, wow. rolling was
5: amazing on that. Hey, black, I love y'all. I can't commend you enough about this platform that you've created for us to be able to share who we are, what we're doing in the world, and the impact that we're having. Let's be smart. Bring your eyeballs
8: home. Mm-hmm. You can't be black on media and be scared. You dig?
10: That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter
8: what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah!